This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and the internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. All of us are tempted in many ways and for different things. Greed, revenge, lust. The fact is, if you're alive, you're tempted. So how do you overcome temptation? Here's Pastor Lee Lavig with today's message, Battling Temptation. As the saying goes, to live is to be tempted. All of us, in a variety of ways, know the power and allure of temptation. How do we fight temptation? How do we battle against doing the wrong that we know will explode in our personal lives? Let's talk about that together this week. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us from your word in the story of Joseph in Genesis 39, that we may be equipped and empowered to be faithful to you always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To explore our theme of battling temptation, we turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 39, the story of Joseph. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who'd taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. He made him overseer over his house, and all he owned he put in his charge. It came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house, and over all he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned, in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But Joseph refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. He's put all he owns in my charge. There's no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you're his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. He left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to lie with me, and I screamed. And when he heard I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to Potiphar with these words, The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to me to make sport of me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. 
Now when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Dear friends, grace and peace are always for you, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I remember a married man who regularly attended our men's Bible study each week, always flirting with the waitress at the restaurant where we met. Many times he told me that he thought she was very attractive. Then one day as we left the restaurant, he said, Pastor, that woman has invited me to come by and see her new puppies just born at her house. Do you think I should go? And I said to him, John, that woman does not belong to you. You're married. Before God, your love is pledged to your wife. That woman does not belong to you. Temptation comes to us in a whole variety of forms. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the well-known Christian author from the World War II era, wrote a little pamphlet called Temptation. He writes, In our members there is a slumbering inclination towards desire which is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire seizes mastery over the flesh. All at once a secret smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and is in flames. It makes no difference whether it's sexual desire, ambition, vanity, a desire for revenge, fame, power, greed... Our joy in God is extinguished in us, and we seek all our joy in creature. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality, and only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is the devil. And Satan does not here fill us with a hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. There are so many ways that we can be tempted, and in your life I know you know those areas where you might struggle. We might even be tempted by good things in this world that mess up our priorities and push God to the side. Remember Bonhoeffer said, it's not a hatred of God, but a forgetfulness of God in the moment of temptation. Chuck Swindoll, in his book entitled Joseph, says that there are three temptation categories. Material temptation, a lust for things. Personal temptation, a lust for power or fame. Or third, sensual temptation, a lust after another person. Or more specifically, another person's body. A desire for one who does not belong to you, legally or morally. Unfortunately, the news is almost always filled with stories of major Christian leaders falling into the temptation of sexual sin. 
and somehow society delights in focusing on the moral failures of these public Christian leaders, as if it sullies the truth of the message of the gospel of Jesus. It never Despite all those fallings and failures of major Christian leaders, it never negates the power of Jesus crucified forgiving our sins and covering them with grace. So we approach the story of Joseph remembering this father's favorite with the multicolored robe who his brothers hated and was sold to the Ishmaelites into slavery and then sold again in Egypt to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. There in the far country, could he survive? He not only adjusted to that new place, new culture, Joseph thrived. And we learn the truth of why. Over and over in the story, despite his major encounter with suffering, it says the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord favored Joseph. The Lord blessed Joseph. It was not unnoticed by Potiphar that everything Joseph oversaw or had control of blessed and uh, did so well, prospered beyond imagination. So Potiphar kept promoting him until he was the head of the whole of Potiphar's house. Joe had the golden touch. He was enjoying prosperity right underneath the authority and power of Potiphar. Beware, in times of prosperity, we can let down our guard and become vulnerable to temptation. Gordon MacDonald, retelling the story of his own moral failure and how God restored his heart and rebuilt his life, in his book entitled Rebuilding Your Broken World, said this, an unguarded strength becomes a weakness. So in our story, Potiphar's wife, and I find it interesting that she's never given a name, Potiphar's wife saw and desired Joseph because he was handsome and of good form. And she's bold in her temptation. Come lie with me, she says. That's direct as you can get. And never forget that Joseph was a red-blooded 20-something young man, and she didn't tempt him just one time. Day after day, over and over, she offered him, begged him, pleaded with him to lie with her. It's a window for us to see how our enemy Satan tempts. He knows our vulnerability and he's relentless, hammering us like a boxer might pummel the midsection of his opponent in order to weaken him. And then if Satan succeeds in getting us to fail, to commit sin, once we fall, Satan, the seducer, becomes the accuser. He tells us God wouldn't want us anymore or that God doesn't love us. It's a lie. The beauty of our story is that Joseph is successful to resist the temptation. Joseph refused Potiphar's wife's advances. Joseph talks about how Potiphar's been so good to him, he could never do this against him. But then he ultimately says, how could I sin 
against God. Joseph knew that our lives are an open book to God and that our lives ultimately are in God's hands. Therefore, not only for Joseph, but even for us as we live as people of faith in the 21st century, all sin, however trivial or major, is a sin against God. It breaks our fellowship with God. It violates our trust. It breaks our conscious receptivity to his love or the intimacy of his presence. Potiphar's wife doesn't take no for an answer. In fact, she plots an ambush of Joseph. So one day when Joseph comes, the house is absolutely empty. She's given all the servants the day off. Question for you. What do we do when the intensity of the temptation is such that no one would know if we gave in to the temptation? It is true that God always sees us, but what if we're tempted in a way that if we were to sin, there would be no fear of discovery and no consequence for the wrong? With the house empty, Potiphar's wife grabs Joseph's garment and pulls him close, entrapping him in her lure. But Joseph wriggles free and runs. He just gets out of her presence, leaving his garment behind. He physically removes himself from the temptress. At this point, we say, hooray for you, Joseph. God, I hope that you reward Joseph for his faithfulness. Joseph, you're the champion for us as an example of resisting temptation. Did God see to it that Joseph went right to the top and was blessed because of his obedience? That isn't what happened, is it? William Congreve wrote this quote. Heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned, not hell a fury like a woman scorned. So Potiphar's wife tells her husband a lie. Talk about flipping the narrative. She accuses Joseph of attempted rape. Sadly, Joseph who's faithful in resisting her allure and temptation, who is pure and innocent, is thrown into jail for a crime he never committed, just the opposite of what he did. So I want to note for us the courage that it takes for us to be faithful, the courage of faithfulness. In this broken world where people's hearts are sinful and even evil, even if we do all the right things, we might still suffer. We might be perfectly obedient and yet face tremendous adversity for how we live. In fact, to be faithful to Christ means that we're going to swim against the cultural current. Faithfulness takes courage. It's hard to go against the flow of the cultural norm or our society's ethics, and yet remain respectful, loving, and compassionate. I had a man from a previous church who regularly would say, any dead fish can float downstream. It's true, isn't it? It takes no power or will to just go with the flow of society's behavior or ethics. 
but it takes the power of the Spirit at work within us and our lives surrendered to Christ's Spirit's power to resist temptation and stay faithful to God. So even as Joseph is thrown in jail unjustly, it says again, the Lord was with Joseph and he found kindness and favor from the chief jailer and was put in charge of the whole prison. So I want us to remember that the enemy will always lie to us as he tempts us and then he'll become our accuser and go on the attack. He will release the full fury of the cause-effect response to our stupid choices, our sins. It'll hurt the people around us. It'll violate relationships. Our lives will begin to unravel if we make poor choices in sinfulness. And in our minds, Satan also works that we begin to rationalize why we'd be okay to do the sin. Well, my spouse doesn't appreciate me, or no one will know, or no harm, no foul, or I have been so lonely, or just this once. How do we face temptation as believers in Christ? Well, first, never stop battling. Don't give in. Don't stop fighting. Resist the tempter and he'll flee from you. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, do battle. Fight the temptation. Second, pray. Jesus said, I'm with you always. Jesus taught us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Ask Jesus for his help. Third, Memorize key scriptures that will be powerful touchstones for you in the moment of temptation. In Ephesians 6, it calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. Fourth, know yourself and know your weaknesses and avoid people and places where you'll be at risk. Fifth, recognize temptation's allure, but also realize the consequences of your sin. Sixth, always realize there's a way out. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape. Next, make yourself accountable. You remember the game show where they said you could phone a friend? Tell a Christian brother or sister your area of struggle. Ask them to pray for you about that, but also give them permission to hold you accountable about how that battle is going. And lastly, just like Joseph, run! In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Flee immorality. Get out of there! Finally, my friends, if you fall, if you fail, don't lay in your sin and guilt. Get up and remember the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus died for sinners like you and me. Jesus died so that we could rise up from our moment of failure and reaffirm that our faith is in Christ alone and in his promise to forgive us always. 
King David after he fell into sin with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband Uriah to cover, said, Create in me a clean heart of God. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't push me out of your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. In an old communion liturgy, we confess together, wherefore we flee for refuge, seeking and imploring your grace. Friends, if you do fall, as you battle temptation, rise up and walk in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Let go of your shame and guilt and embrace the promise that Jesus still forgives sinners, but keep battling temptation. Dear Lord God, we love you, and we want to be faithful to you and loyal to you always. But we are weak and sinful and broken people. So often we fail and fall short of our own desires of faithfulness. We ask you to cleanse our hearts again, just as you've promised. Wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ, that our hearts may be clean and pure before you. Then fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, that we may rise up to walk in faithfulness with you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You've been worshiping with the radio and the internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Christian Crusaders continues to be of vital importance to the spiritual needs of many who listen. Your prayers and financial considerations help make this program possible. Address your gifts to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or phone us toll-free at 1-888-MY-FAITH. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. Or visit us on the internet, christiancrusaders.org. It's a convenient and secure way to support this ministry with your credit card. We thank all those who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. If you'd like to listen to today's message again, you can find it in one of three podcasts. The first podcast, called the CC Broadcast, is where weekly services are archived. The second podcast, called the CC Podcast Conversations, is where we archive inspiring interviews with interesting Christians such as gangster and murderer Ron Gruber and NFL football player from the University of Iowa, Ike Boddicker, and other interesting and inspiring interviews we believe you'll enjoy. The third podcast, called the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotionals, is where we host our daily Bible overview with six-minute devotions. These podcasts can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You'll find links to them on our website, christiancrusaders.org. Living the Jesus Life series features Pastor Kramer's 15 sermons that take a closer look at the book of Philippians and what the Apostle Paul wanted us to know about living the life God wants for us in His Son. If you enjoyed the series and want to read or listen again, or for the first time, contact us at Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. 
We have the complete series available in print or audio versions for a suggested donation of $25 or more. For more information, call us at 319-277-0924 or visit our webpage at www.christiancrusaders.org. You've been worshiping with Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, and we pray you will join us again next week on this station. Conducting today's service was the Reverend Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa, and associate speaker on Christian Crusaders, broadcasting and podcasting biblical truth since 1936.